I think the responsibility of workplaces is to have a positive impact on all stakeholders. That's what I think. I'm not, I'm not in the camp of uh, workplaces uh, or companies are there to create profit and that's all in the Milton Friedman camp. I think they create positive outcomes for all stakeholders. Hello and welcome to Let's Talk About EX, the podcast that discusses workplace culture, employee experience, well-being and more. I'm your host, Ryan McGrory, founder of Exona, and in this episode, I'm joined by Philip Wolfe of Connects Health. Phil's a workplace wellness expert and one of the most experienced practitioners in the country. An exercise physiologist by trade, he now has over a decade of experience in designing and implementing workplace wellness programs, from the head offices of Australia's largest banks to the gold mines of Papua New Guinea. We spoke about the state of wellness, ideas for improving workplace wellness, and some tips on how you might be able to create a business case for improving well-being in your organisation. I hope you enjoy. All right, we're joined here today by Philip Wolf of uh, Connects Health. Phil, how are you? Yeah, good, thanks, mate. Feeling well this morning. How are you doing? Excellent. I'm doing doing very well. It's uh, my first day out of COVID isolation, and I feel yeah. really good, optimistic. World's a good place. Excellent. That old that old chestnut, the old COVID. Yeah, indeed. Uh, the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> it sure is. Yeah, but I'm going to enjoy the next twelve weeks of my my high strength immunity uh, and try and make the most <laughs> of it and do all the things that I've that I've kind of limited in the last couple of years. Absolutely, go everywhere, do everything. Well, it's good that we're here uh, chatting. I know, I know, um, you specialise in in health, obviously, and uh, and also well being and helping businesses with with their health and their well being strategies and solutions. What? Why are you passionate about well being? What's drawn you to it? Yeah, it's a it's a broad question because everyone, I guess, in this space in well being says, "Ah, oh, it's my passion. It's what I was born to do." But I. I really think it's the only thing there is. So our, our total well-being yeah. is first and foremost the most important thing that there that there is. Everything else is secondary. So mm. the well-being of ourselves and that of our families, that's all there is. And I recognize that early on. If if you're feeling sick, if you're not well, then nothing else really matters. You'll spend as much time and energy and money as you possibly can to make yourself well again and then once we are well we sort of take it for granted again so i suppose that's what kind of led me into it because recognizing early that it was the most important thing why wouldn't we spend our time and our energy and our curiosity on enhancing it the best we can and i've i've tried to do that in myself i try and do that every day i mean Mm. not perfect every day none of us are (laughs) But I try my best and I wanted to bring that to other people to help them to recognize that fact and to give them simple ways that they can be well consistently. So that's that's what led me into it. And that's what that's what keeps me passionate about it. Brilliant. Excellent. And what a good life mission that you have. Um, you, you mentioned there that you like to give people um, uh, simple and practical kind of tools um, uh, for them to go off and actually work on. Why do you why do you think simple and practical is effective? 
it's because it doesn't need to be as difficult as we make it. There's so much noise at the moment. Well, there always has been, but never more than now, particularly with social media. Everyone needs a, everyone needs a niche. Everyone needs a hook. So they tell you that the things that you've been doing, the things, the fundamental things you've been told are all rubbish and you should buy their book or buy their product or seven <laughs> simple little tricks to the personal trainers hate or whatever the, the hook is. But simple is the way. There are fundamental things that we can do every day that make up 90% of our health. The rest is the tiny little one percenters. There's no point taking reiki mushroom drops when you're not eating your vegetables or you're not sleeping well or you're not exercising. Simple is where it's at. We've known that for tens of thousands of years. Traditional medicine has always known that. And it doesn't need to be anywhere near as complicated as we make it. So we keep it simple because that's the easiest way and that is the most effective way. Fantastic. I like that. I agree with it. And uh, I'm a simple, I'm a simple person. So, so simplicity definitely works with me. What, what would you, what would you suggest are some things that people can do every day that are simple and are effective and, and do genuinely improve or enhance their well-being? There's, well, we go back to what we've always been told and basically it centers around three things. Mm -hmm. And there's a, I listened to Tim Ferriss a bit and he, he asked people what they have on a billboard if the whole world could see it. And I always think this, it's sleep well, move more, eat your veggies. If you're doing those three things and you're doing them consistently, then you're going to find it very difficult to be unhealthy. I mean, there are obviously a lot more things that we can add in there, but those are the three fundamental pillars of how to be healthy and well, particularly physically, but that feeds into our emotional and our mental and our spiritual well-being as well. So sleep well, move more, eat your veggies. That would be my advice to everyone. Magic. Excellent. Well, there's three things you can take away, everyone. Thank you. Um, you are working with, with businesses a lot, an awful lot. You're, you're partnering with them and you, you kind of get an inside view of what their problems are and you help with solutions. I'm just interested to understand what, what are some of those common problems that businesses are faced with right now? Yeah, it's interesting. So on, on an organisational level, we're dealing with more stress than we ever have, yeah. uh, higher workloads than we've ever had, uh, a lot more time pressure. So essentially work is taking up more time and leaving far, far less for life, for life admin, for health, for everything else that we need to live. And work is taking that priority. So at an organizational level, that's what we're dealing with. But at an individual level, and organizations are made up of individuals, it's the same things that we face personally. So really, we just need to take what we face, the challenges that we face on a daily basis, and extrapolate that over an entire company. So our strategies encompass the entire workforce but what we're really focusing on are the individual problems that each person faces so the problems are as diverse as as the people who are facing them but fundamentally we're all facing the same sorts of issues we all battle with yeah. eating correctly we all battle with working too hard with too much stress with financial pressures with mm. injuries with illness so when we get to the core of what 
businesses are facing in terms of challenges. We just have to think what we're actually facing and then extrapolate that over the entire company. Brilliant, excellent. And how, how is it that you do that? We go in and we ask people. So what companies don't do enough of at the moment is find out what's actually going wrong and ask people how they would like to fix it. Yeah. So a wellbeing program, I mean, every company at the moment is initiating some sort of wellbeing program. And this ranges in effectiveness very, very wildly. Yeah. A lot of companies will put in a fruit box in the lunchroom and have morning yoga sessions, and then that's the wellbeing program. But maybe people don't want to eat fruit. Maybe people don't like yoga in that company. So applying what you think will work is never the way forward. You have this captive audience of people who are willing to tell you exactly what the issues are and exactly mm. how they would engage with the solutions. So why not ask them? We have to gather the data and then design a program in the way the data is telling us to do it. That's the step the companies are missing and that's how we do it basically at, at its core. I mean, it is slightly more complex than that, but in a general sense, that's how we do it. Fantastic. I, I, I really like how you, how you lay that out. You know, I think a lot of what, what a lot of people do and a lot of practitioners miss is that first step is actually asking and gathering that information and gather the insightful data to then to then use it effectively. And I like yeah. the the custom um, uh, approach that you have there. What are what are some of the um, uh, uh, the kind of customized solutions that you bring to organisations and and what problems do they do they do they help solve? So, yeah, interesting question. It changes from organization to organization, but basically once we know what their core issues are, we can design something to, to actually fix it. So if we find that stress is an overwhelming problem, then we can put in place measures to reduce that, whether that's at an organizational level um, in terms of reducing workloads, um, decreasing oversight, decreasing micromanagement, or introducing things such as uh, resilience programs or individual health consulting. It's different across all companies and it's impossible to just take one template and apply it to every single company because that is not an effective way to utilize, <clears throat> pardon me, to utilize resources. So it is customized for every single company and it, it absolutely needs to be. Fantastic, and you're 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 literally in there impacting lives um, with 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 what you do. Um, do you have any cool stories or any feedback about how you've impacted someone's life specifically and how that came about? Yeah, I mean, it's that's another reason that keeps me passionate about about wellbeing because it's something that does make a difference, and it's something that you can see making a difference in real time. I mean, the, 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 the act of going in and finding something that someone has neglected or something that's going on that they've, they've overlooked or they haven't been able to address and then putting in place simple solutions to fix that is, it's, it's awesome. It's a really, really good feeling to help people. And that at the core of it is what we're trying to do. Uh, I suppose one of the biggest ones for that was 
a few years ago, I was running a program uh, in Papua New Guinea on a gold mine. We had wow. six or seven thousand workers. Yeah, it was it was an incredible program, a, a real a real pilot program, uh, pioneer uh, in the industry in the mining industry. Um, and what we found was with particularly with the um, the indigenous population was an incredibly high rate of diabetes and pre-diabetes, completely undiagnosed. Yeah. We found about 15%, 15 to 20% of the people that we uh, that we were seeing had undiagnosed high blood sugar levels. And when we sent them to um, general practitioners, which was difficult to do in some cases, mm -hmm. they were often diagnosed with type 2 diabetes. Now, being able to identify that in, in a population that never would have, mm -hmm. would have known that, it was... An incredibly rewarding thing because we could then put in place strategies uh, from the top down to to actually start fixing that, and that quite literally saves lives and saves quality of life and increases life expectancy. It's it's a really powerful, impactful thing. And wow. it, well, apart from everything else, it just it just makes you feel good. It's a really good feeling. That is amazing. Geez, what an what an impact that you've. That you've had there and it's a it's a really good example of 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 where an employer takes an extra leap of care into their people's well-being you know and it's kind of it's kind of this weird thing like what is the responsibility of an employer to look after their people and and how far do you go what what do you see as an employer's responsibility there when it comes to their people and their health yeah i i get that question quite a lot um and it's it's one that's almost impossible to answer mm. because it's it changes from person to person. But I think the responsibility of workplaces is to have a positive impact on all stakeholders. That's what I think. I'm not I'm not in the camp of uh, workplaces uh, or companies are there to create profit, and that's all in the Milton Friedman camp. I think they create positive outcomes for all stakeholders, and. It almost becomes a moot point whose responsibility it is. Yes, there is certainly a level of personal responsibility that each individual has to take on themselves. And I think there is certainly uh, an organizational responsibility to take care of their people the best way they can, or at an absolute minimum to not cause harm. But regardless of whose responsibility it is, it's the company's problem. If they have an unwell workforce, even if it's not their responsibility to care for them, if they're sick, it becomes a company's problem because they have unproductive workers. They have people taking sick leave all the time. They have people leaving for other companies who will take care of them. So it doesn't matter if you don't think it's your responsibility to take care of them. It is your problem when you don't. That's a great message. Um, uh, I've come across that question a few times myself. That's a great answer as well. Um, there'll, be, there'll be a few people, I think, listening listening to this who, who are perhaps responsible for for well-being in their workplace and and I've been in this position myself and and sometimes or often or all of the time depending on who you are and where you work you face some resistance when you're trying to get your well-being initiatives um, accepted or off the ground or embraced what would your advice be to those people how could they kind of turn turn around the naysayers or how could they um, and make someone who is resistant an, an ambassador? 
Um, so there's two, you're asking two questions there, I reckon. So probably, first of all- I'm probably asking a few, I've got a bad habit yeah. of doing <laughs> No, no, it's good, it's good, because <laughs> uh, they're both very, very relevant. So if you're responsible for well-being, how do you get uh, the, the notion that we need to take care of our people across and get it paid for, basically, is the, the first question. And that's where we see most of the resistance, most of the inertia will come right at the beginning. Okay, we know we need to do something, but ah, crap, that costs money. I don't want to spend money. So the first thing to do is to create a business case for it. And that is a very, not easy, but it's a, it's a relatively straightforward process. So essentially, look at all of your bleed costs at the moment. Look at your absenteeism, uh, look at lost productivity, look at workers' compensation, look at turnover rate. Then look at how much a, an average workplace health program could decrease those things by. Mm. Take that gross figure, divide that by how much your expected ROI is, and that gives you your budget for workplace health. Yeah. So for an average company, bleed costs could be anywhere for, let's say, 100 people. If everything's bang on the average, bleed costs could be anywhere from six hundred to $800,000 per year. So if we take, let's say we can increase that or decrease that, sorry, by 20%, then that's going to give us $150,000, $200,000. And then we divide that by our expected ROI, and that gives us our budget anywhere from fifty dollars to $100,000. When we put it in terms like that in black and white and show companies how much they could potentially save by spending this much, it becomes much, much simpler. It becomes a bottom line business decision rather than a, an ethical or a moral one. Uh, in terms of getting it across the line to the people, you have to give them what they want and you have to give them something that is meaningful to them. If you're just paying lip service, then people know. If you don't genuinely care, people can tell. So we have to give them something that they want and give them something that they've asked for and would engage with and that is meaningful to them because otherwise it's just basically it's a waste of resources. And there's, there's a lot of ways to do that and there's a lot of ways to get participation. That's a yeah. That's a whole topic in and of itself. <laughs> but first and foremost, giving them something that they can use and is useful to them and meaningful. That's it's step number one, basically. Fantastic. Excellent, Phil. This has been a great podcast. I think you've given people a lot, a lot. Uh, uh, really good information not only about their own personal well-being and uh, but also about your passion your results and then also some great uh, stuff towards the end there about how people might turn uh, a well-being argument into into real value for for their organization i want to thank you for being on here you've been you've been a great guest thanks very much no worries ryan thanks for having me mate appreciate it We've just caught a glimpse of some strategies that Phil uses every day to improve workplace well-being for all different types of companies, which is something that's sorely needed at the moment. I hope you agree. If you have any questions for him or you're interested in how to get started on a workplace wellness program, you can do so via his website at connectshealth.com.au or connect with him on LinkedIn at Phil Wolf. Now that's the end of the episode. Thanks for listening. And if you're looking for more content, resources or ideas on workplace culture, engagement or experience, then reach out to us at exona.com. 
We'll see you next time.